Welcome to Unbossed. So glad that you are here with us. Today is Monday. You know what that means? It's Jessica Burbank Monday. Yes, JB Monday. Jessica, how are you today? It's great to be back on Unbossed. Feels like uh, I never left. No, and you have not. Thank you for holding it down for me while I was in New Orleans, as they say, at a conference with some of the world's greatest economists repping it for the New School Institute on Race, Political Economy and Political Power. It was such an awesome opportunity to be there with all of them and to really focus in on what a moral political economy looks like. So. You held it down for me while I was able to do that part of my activism work and I appreciate you so very much. And we are going to have a great show today per usual. And what's on tap? So glad that you asked. So it took 15 tries, that's all just 15. But McCarthy got the votes to become the Speaker of the House. But does he hold any real power? Probably not. And a deep dive into why Skip Bayless sucks big time and always has. And then later in the show, a coup attempt in Brazil. We'll discuss the details like a little copycat was going on uh, similar to what happened in this country uh, on January the 6th. That is very unfortunate. And don't forget if you're watching us today, don't forget or listen, please subscribe and tell your frenemies to subscribe too. This is the one moment where I want friends and frenemies to unite and subscribe to Unboss. So do that, bring a friend, bring a couple of friends and tell them this is an hour they don't want to miss. Jessica, before we get into our stories, is there any Anything happening on Rebel HQ that we should know about? Yeah, we're gonna do some compilation videos of McCarthy, the McCarthy vote. Oh, that sounds like such fun. You don't want to miss that. And I hope that includes the rolling in of the champagne, which we're gonna talk about that today in the show too. I am wondering, and hopefully our viewers and listeners may be wondering the same thing. Who in the hell paid for that champagne? And why were they popping champagne? Inquiring minds do kinda sorta want to know. So McCarthy's next steps, watch this. All the different members and hanging with me through all those different votes. But I do want to especially thank President Trump. I don't think you should anybody should doubt his influence. He was with me from the beginning. Somebody wrote the doubt of whether he was there, and he was all in. He would call me and he would call others. And he really was, I was just talking to him tonight, helping get those final votes. What he's really saying really for the party and the country. The new Speaker of the House is thanking former President Donald J. Trump for bringing in those final few votes for him. And his words, never doubt that President Trump is still in control of the Republican Party. I had no doubt of that. I mean, the man got over 70 million votes. So people underestimate President Donald J. Trump at their own peril. But McCarthy certainly won the votes. It took about 15 times to do it, but if at first you don't succeed, Try, try again and again and again and again and again and again. Oh yeah, that is exactly what happened, but this man is not in control. Make no mistake about it. In Common Dreams, Jeffrey Isaac writes, after a bitter, grueling, melodramatic and days long contest on the house floor, Kevin McCarthy was finally exclamation point bold message in a bottle on a train. 
elected as Speaker of the House just after the clock struck midnight. Did anybody lose a slipper on that one? On the early morning of January 7th. Listen, I could not resist Jessica making a comparison to a Cinderella. Cinderella McCarthy is not, but he did in fact finally win that vote. Any thoughts so far as we go through the story? Yeah, apparently McCarthy's fairy godmother came down and said, <laughs> you can be the speaker of the house because that's how American politics happens these days. It's interesting the divisions though, right? That that Bover and Gates were at odds with Donald Trump throughout all of this. The more extreme you know, faction of the party was not joined by Marjorie Taylor Greene, which was a big shakeup. And of course, Trump threatening to run as an independent just the week before, if not days before this whole debacle. So things are falling apart in the Republican Party and they're doing everything they can to seem like a united front when they clearly are are not. No, they are not. And this shakeup really has the status quo of both parties shaking up, really. They're, they're the ones that really can't handle this. And Jeffrey, in his article, he makes a poignant point about McCarthy being very much a part of the extremism of his party, even though he pretends like he's not. And that was be, that, that was being brought forward by this freedom caucus, as they call themselves. Let's take a look at what else Jeffrey had to say in his article. The problem is that McCarthy's chief lieutenants, Scalias and Safanak and Jordan, and Jim Jordan is from Ohio, Lord, Ohio, come get Jim Jordan, are right wing extremists. And that the person who did the most to finally convince the holdouts to cease their opposition to McCarthy was none other than Marjorie Taylor Greene, who apparently took a phone call from Donald Trump that eventually persuaded Gates and his never Kevins to stop opposing my Kevin. When Marjorie Taylor Greene is the pivot on which the mainstream turns, then said mainstream has become pretty extreme. I think Jeffrey Isaac hits nail on the head. On, on that one, Jessica, in such a powerful and poignant way about where things have gone wrong in the Republican Party. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you have someone like Matt Gates essentially holding the party hostage for a week, saying he's asking for various concessions. To me, it really felt like the whole time it was just people wanting those prime time interviews on Fox News to talk to. Uh, Sean Hannity about what they were up to. Uh, it didn't seem like the concessions they were asking for were really centered in the debates on the House floor. They weren't really the subject of the interviews uh, with the newscasters, right? It really feels like the Republican Party is running a popularity contest rather than, I don't know, a policy contest about what the best policies would be to improve life for everyday Americans. True that, and when you are electing a Speaker of the House, I guess the policy takes a back seat to that as people try to push for their own interests. And the Freedom Caucus definitely did that. I have another name for them, Jessica, but it's not appropriate for a family show like this. But I call them the Freedom and fill in the blank on that. It begins with an F. They are definitely not the Freedom Caucus. They are the antithesis of freedom in every single way. But my stunt double weighed in on this as she often does because she can't help herself. But if at first you don't succeed, 15 rounds should do it. 
I mean, if we don't give Kevin McCarthy credit for anything else but having some tenacity there, he insisted that he was going to win this thing and he stuck it out until he actually did. But what, in fact, did he win? Because it is very clear that he does not have the type of power that it is going to take to be able to wield these unwieldy factions within his own party. Uh, to to do what is uh, you know to to really be able to govern, but we'll see. Maybe they will continue to have President Donald J. Trump on speed dial to keep these folks under control. But we will see. A TYT's own Matthew Sheffield made a very important point about all that happened on the seventh, and this is what he tweeted: While Kevin McCarthy pretends tonight. Let's be clear that the real winners in the House of the 118th Congress are the extremist members of the Freedom Caucus. In quotes there, they will be running the entire thing from day one and they discuss the plan in public. So certainly the Freedom Caucus, air quotes, are not shy about what their intentions are and what they fully expect from this leadership in the 118th Congress. I got to give them credit, although I don't agree with 99.9% of what they stand for, they were able to will power in such a way that gave the status quo of their party something to think about, or as Jeffrey Isaac puts it, the lighter extreme portion of their extremist party, something to think about. They got their concessions, they did. So let's put up those some of the concessions that they won from leadership. One member can call for a vote to oust the speaker. McCarthy aligned PAC won't play in open seat safe primaries. Let me pause right there, keep that graphic up. Would have been nice if the progressive caucus had exacted something like that from their leadership at the time that the status quo or neoliberals of the Democratic Party couldn't play in safe Democratic primaries. Maybe it's just me, but I think that would have been a good concession, good on them on that. And House will hold votes on key conservative bills. In other words, you're gonna put our bills on the floor and we're gonna see where everybody stands, voted up or voted down. If the progressives in the Democratic caucus had exacted some of these things, we might be a lot further off. And maybe, just maybe the Republicans would not be in control of the House, but that's just me. Here we are. And then 72 hours to review bills before they come to the floor. You think reading a thousand page or two or 5,000 page bill in a matter of hours and then coming out pretending like you understand the whole bill? I don't know. They, they're saying something right there. And then more Freedom Caucus members on the Rules Committee. So Jessica, I politically, I do not agree or policy wise, I do not agree with much of what this so-called Freedom Caucus stands for. That's policy wise. But in terms of the few being able to leverage power on the many in ways that the Congressional Progressive Caucus said could not be done. I guess the Freedom Caucus showed them that in fact it could it could be done, they did it. Right. Yeah, we could have seen them say, "Hey, Speaker Pelosi, you know, we'll vote for you if you promise to bring, you know, to a vote." A lot of people were talking about Medicare for all. We did get a $15 minimum wage to a vote. Now we need a $25 minimum wage. There are countless pieces of legislation that could have been leveraged. Like, hey, just 
just bring it to a vote. Let's see what happens. Let's force people like Kirsten Cinema to give a big thumbs down to this legislation so her constituents know where she stands on really key legislation. Instead, you have conservatives leveraging things like, oh, no more aid to Ukraine, saying things like we must always have a balanced budget. We know very well the, the power of the purse was given to Congress for good reasons. And while we might not agree with that spending plan, you know, there are very good things that you can spend money on and vote to create new dollars that have a huge return on investment because you're investing in things that increase our productive capacity. Things like Green New Deal types of legislation, force a vote on the Green New Deal. Say you need to bring this piece of legislation to the floor if we vote for you as speaker. And especially for Nancy Pelosi, legislation around insider trading and whether or not members of Congress can trade stocks, which she refused to do. Yeah, you know what? And there is definitely bipartisan support and not bringing that baby to the floor. That is for sure. But you lay out some really good examples of how the Congressional Progressive Caucus that touts that they have 100 members. Now, if five to 20 members of that so-called Unfreedom Caucus, that's what I'm calling them because that's the PG version, Unfreedom Caucus could exact the things that they wanted from the mainstream or slightly less extreme factions within the Republican Party leadership. You would think that 100 or so members in the Congressional Progressive Caucus, even if five of them or 10 of them or even 20 of them stood up, they might have been able to get some things as well, but they never did that. They blamed not voting just because I remember it for the minimum wage on the parliamentarian. You might be old enough to remember that too. They said, hey, the parliamentarian said, no, this cannot be attached to this. And so therefore we cannot bring it. It is just something eerie about that when they have full control of both chambers to see the extreme extremists show them how power is wielded is a sad commentary for me. And then you won't believe what happened once McCarthy finally got the votes. Let's look. The lowest bar possible and these fools are sitting up here rolling in champagne celebrating like they had some great victory. My stunt double has something to say about this as well. Speaker Kevin McCarthy is having champagne rolled into his office and for what? Part of what's wrong with our government is our elected officials are more concerned with their own career success than improving the lives of Americans. Cannot believe these fools was rolling in champagne, but then again, Maybe I should believe it. And then lastly, the Democratic Party is celebrating and they were cheering and laughing it up in the chambers as the Republicans were doing this dance with one another, one extremist fighting the next. But they really have nothing to celebrate because we would not be in the situation had they really done all that was necessary to really change the material needs, to impact the material needs of the working people in this country. So much so they would vote, they would have voted for them in mass and maybe the Democrats would still have control of the house. But we are not there at this moment. Let's put up once again what Shant had to say about the Democrats and I 100% agree. It's rather pathetic to watch Democrats and leftists gloating about the fact that the Republican Party seems to still allow for a tiny amount of dissent and debate while their own party is an absolute 
absolute authoritarian Borg that demands lockstep allegiance for its members. And that is absolutely unequivocally true. I got the battle scars to prove it and so do so many other folks. And the fact that Speaker Pelosi was never or rarely challenged. The fact that Representative Jeffries has not been challenged on that side at all, even though he had a pack that went after progressives in the primaries and you have progressives just cheering him on and saying, "Oh my God, this is a great day. Hmm, I wonder the world is totally upside down at this moment. But we're gonna keep following this baby, get out the popcorn. Cause this is going to be a rip roaring 118th Congress. It's particularly in the House of Representatives, there will never be a dull moment. So we're gonna stay tuned to that, unfortunately, Jessica. I mean, I'm not looking forward to this. Well, maybe some parts of me are, but overall, I'm not. Because when it's, it is gonna have some policy implications too, as you and I well know, that goes beyond electing the, the leader. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, just terrible optics to have champagne sent to your office. You're one of the richest members of Congress. Now you've been voted speaker and it took 15 tries and you're celebrating with cases of champagne while people are struggling to put food on the table and losing their jobs. And that's an intentional policy by the US government. It's just a really bad look, but also a bad decision as a leader. Yeah, very much so. And just yet another reminder to our Republican sisters and brothers and family and friends why you keep electing these people who really don't care about you, your family, your community, or the enhancement of your life. I mean, that is just really true. It is true. And Republicans, get your Republicans, really. We need you to come and get them. Ah, Skip Bayless, as I told you before. We are going. We are going to continue to talk about Skip Bayless on a regular basis on Unbossed. We are going to continue to to expose the double standard in America that the black codes are still very much alive. It's just the 21st century version of those black codes because when it comes to people being anti-black and biased against black folks, they they get to keep. Their jobs, there's not a whole lot of outcry for them to be fired or for them to apologize. Why? Because in many cases, black lives do not matter to a lot of these folks. So it's just another day while we're wondering why or oh why does Skip Bayless still have his job? Inquire minds want to know, or even if it's just a light, you know, maybe maybe the man doesn't lose his job, but the fact that he has doubled down on keeping that tweet out there that he made after Hamlin had cardiac arrest on the field, the fact that no one or very few people, the high ups, the same folks that were all over Kyrie Irving, I don't see them calling for Skip Bayless to apologize to Hamlin, his family, and the black people as a whole. Don't see none of that. But here we are. Rolling Stones wrote an article, there was an article in the Rolling Stones about Skip Bayless. Skip Bayless has come under fire for his tone deaf tweets about severely injured Beals player Damar Hamlin. But there's a whole lot more where that came from. And we'll put up this headline, we had to blank out one of the words, but I'm sure that you can probably guess what it, it begins with an S. Skip Bayless has always been a piece of excrement. The FS1 host has come under fire for his tone deaf tweets about severely injured Bills player Damar. Damar Hamlin, but there's a whole lot more where that came from. Yeah, he's come under fire lightly, but he's still rolling strong with his multi-million dollar job with very few consequences. 
So Corbin Smith writes in the Rolling Stone, when Buffalo Bills safety Damar Hamlin nearly died during a Monday night football game against the Cincinnati Bengals, collapsing following a hit and resuscitated after nine minutes of horrifying on field CPR. It turned out that the man still had one more rhetorical atrocity in the chamber. One more stupid thing that could manage to get him back in the rotten halls of our consciousness. And basically Corbin, I encourage people to go read the article is laying out in his article in the Rolling Stones that this Skip Bayless that came to light in a more profound way to the world actually because of what he had to say about Hamlin's collapse has always been that dude that that really this is nothing new for him. He is that dude. So let's see, let's put up a reminder, the tweet of what Bayless posted the day Hamlin went into cardiac arrest. This was the heartless mindless tweet of this man. No doubt the NFL is considering postponing the rest of this game, but how? This late in the season, this late in the season, a game of this magnitude is crucial to the regular season outcome, which suddenly seems so irrelevant. Really, dude? Really? But this, I mean, he did. He had no fear of contradiction when he did that. Jessica? You know, I hope Skip Bayless remains Bayless. Um, I think it's a fitting last name for the type of guy he clearly is. And I don't know a lot about football. I don't watch a lot of football. Uh, but it seems to me that he's kind of like the Pierce Morgan of sports in America. And the take that he has around Damar Hamlin, he wasn't the only one with that take, right? There's just such a divide between the owners and the people who are profiting off of the NFL uh, and the players who are actually doing the labor, putting their bodies on the line, playing the sport. And we can't forget the racial disparities that are there. Uh, they're the people who are the owners who are profiting off of it, but also a, a huge audience of people who watch the sport who don't feel connected to the players, they might as well be expendable. It's a form of entertainment for them. And they don't really see them as human beings and that's clearly a problem. And it showed when they wanted them to keep playing and take the field again when DeMar Hamlin had collapsed. Yeah, and it took over an hour to make the decision. I mean, it just really very heartless on their part. And Skip's own Fox Sports colleague, Michael Strahan had this to say on Sunday, seemingly calling out Skip for his nonsense. I've struggled with this in a lot of ways because it's not so much just about you know, being an athlete and experiencing being on the field and being that close to guys. And then you see something happen to a young man like that. It's just, you don't have to be a football player to understand how big this was. And, and you spoke about humanity. And I think, but there were things done here by someone here at this network that were inhumane. And, and we sit here and we talk about how good, and I'm sorry to take it this way, but this, this, this route. But I just, I just felt like sensible people and sensible human beings have a heart. There it is. And Michael, you don't have to apologize for saying that. You said it. And so glad that you used your platform on that particular network to say that. Have a heart. Skip Bayless has no heart. It was heartless what he said. And, and and he's doubling down, he doubled down on it. He's not apologizing, said he won't apologize and he won't take it down. And guess what? The higher ups of that network are not demanding that he takes it down. So as Corbin Smith continues to remind us being outrageously callous and wrong is not new for Skip. Let's take a look at some of his past and current headlines. This headline right here, Skip Bayless, quote, little light skin Stephen, end quote, comments on Stephen Curry's uh, have drawn a lot of fire. So yeah, he is just repeating his 
pattern. Now, here are the full comments that Bayless made. I don't care what Twitter says. I don't care what anyone says. I just know what I did and did not see from little light-skinned Stefan. There have been too many times when he got so light-skinned in the finals, I couldn't see him anymore because he turned into a ghost. He just went poof right before your very eyes, Skip Bayless. Now Skip Bayless said, you know what? No apology, very few people probably even know that the man said it, but he said it. And he doubled down on it, quadrupled down on it. You know why? Without fear of contradiction, because Curry is black. And so the same outrage that other groups get when they are offended, not the same outrage and calls for people's jobs and calls for them to be trotted out in public to apologize. Oh no, when the black community is transgressed in that way, we're just supposed to suck it up and drive on. And that person keeps their jobs. This is what this man said. And that was from June of 2022, not that long ago. Many of us are old enough to remember June of 2022. Or even if you want to take it to 2020, when the Cowboys quarterback, Dak Prescott, whose brother took his own life that year, opened up about his own anxiety and depression. This is what Skip Heartless Bayless had to say. I'm gonna ask our audience to feel free to go ahead and condemn me if you choose as cold-blooded and insensitive on this issue. I have deep compassion for clinical depression, Mm -hmm. but when it comes to the quarterback of an NFL team, you know this as well as I, better than I do. It's the ultimate leadership position in sports. Because of all that, I don't have sympathy for him going public with, I got depressed. I suffered depression early in COVID to the point that I couldn't even go work out. Look, he's the quarterback of America's team. What? in the unholy hell. Skip Bayless, we do condemn you. And you should have been condemned. This man comes out, millions of people have depression. And to have a leader like that come out and talk about some very real problems helps millions of people. No, we do condemn you with your heartless self. No, we condemn you, whole bunch of folks, not just me condemning you. I feel like throwing my papers up right now. We condemn you. Now, Skip is a self-professed, and then the man had pure industrial gall saying that he got compassion and understanding for somebody that has that kind of clinical condition. Obviously, you don't have it. The man's brother committed suicide. He's laying out his heart and being vulnerable. And then there you go, spouting off at the mouth with nonsense and foolishness. Underlining, bolded, underscore, message in a bottle. You are heartless, dude. This is a family show. I'm going to keep it at that. But I do have some choice words for this brother right here. Skip is a self-professed Cowboys fan. To him, all that matters is that these players just keep on playing. I mean, he might as well just said, shut up and throw the ball. That, that is in fact what he did say, shut up and just throw the ball. This is all this man cares about. Unfortunately, there has not as of today been any consequences for Skip Bay- Bayless's behavior over the years and this recent, the recent that he just did and said, no consequences. No wholesale, wholesale call from people of power for this man to get gone. None at all. Jessica, as you can see, this this one got me riled up. 
Yeah, it's lazy on Skip Bayless's part, right? His job as a sports commentator, specifically, you know, with football, is to comment on the game. What is the defense doing? What plays are they running? What's working? What's not working? Who's having a good game? I mean, seriously, the commentary that he makes that is specific to them as individuals when it comes to to Steph Curry in basketball. It's not about how he's playing the game, specifically what he's doing. You know, Steph's a player that's criticized, you know, for doing really well in the offense, but not playing as hard on the defense. And to say he's playing like he's light skinned, to make him about who he is as a person and the color of his skin, that's exhausting for players. And then when the players talk about their personal lives and their mental health struggles, which I'm sure have a lot to do with how they're treated in the industry, making it so much about who they are as people and intrusively so about their personal lives. And then you're gonna say, don't talk about your personal lives anymore. We don't wanna hear it, but you're making your commentary about their personal lives instead of about their their game. Uh, that doesn't make sense. Those two things can't be true in the same reality. And Skip Bayless, on top of being a bad dude and being insensitive to someone who's dealing with a mental health issue and just being deliberately colorist and racist, uh, he's not doing a good job either. No, he's not. And anti-black, let me just put that out there. All of those well-connected people who call for Kyrie Irving to grovel at their feet, where you at? We calling for your unboss. Why don't you put some of that venom towards Bayless? Will you? Can you? Let's see. No, maybe you won't. Because Bayless attacks have primarily been against black people and clearly black lives don't matter when it comes to y'all in the front office and these other folks that are well connected or well moneyed. Don't give a damn. Just shut up and drivel or shut up and throw the ball. That's what this comes down to. We're gonna keep pushing this. On a final note, so that I won't have to get out my fire extinguisher. We're gonna end this segment on a good note, one final good news. And we're gonna look at a tweet from Hamlin himself. Let's do that, that gets me calm. Putting love into the world comes back three times as much. Thankful for everyone who has reached out and prayed. This will make me stronger on the road to recovery. Keep praying for me. That came from Damar Hamblin himself on January the 7th. And Damar, we are still, baby, praying for you and lifting you up. At the same time, we're gonna still keep kicking some butt on your behalf, though. Wrong is wrong and right is right. Skip Bayless is wrong. And we wanna see some people with a whole bunch of influence call him out. And there should be some consequences and repercussions. But yeah, the prayer and love, we're sending you love. We'll be back after this. Welcome back to the show. My favorite part, but let me, I gotta, you know, give you some information. You're no longer just a viewer when you become a TYT member. You're a fighter, a leader, a change maker. You're part of the family and someone who believes wholeheartedly and bring a positive change to the world. Right now, when you sign up for our annual membership, you'll get to spin the wheel to win limited time perks from TYT. One of those prizes is a join the thunder hoodie. Who don't want to join the thunder? Check it out and sign up at tyt.com slash spin or scan the QR code to get started. That's so exciting, I'm excited about that. Comments from TYT members, Mickey, hey Mickey. It's proof that McCarthy doesn't care about legislating. He desperately gave up all of his power just so he could have the title of speaker. Mickey, I agree with you on that. And on Twitch, Jess Vegas, Nina and Jess, my day is made. 
<laughs> we agree with you, <laughs> Jessica and I agree with you. Day made. Overseer Dixon, hey, Overseer Nina and Jessica, happy new year. Can't wait to see what's in store for the show. Exclamation points. We thank you, Overseer Dixon, for participating often and being one of our strongest viewers and supporters. And Dudley is Burbank Turner Overdrive taking care of business. <laughs> and we're getting all the hype. We are, and we got our hype people, Jessica. We ain't got to worry about it. The love is real. And on YouTube, Super Chat, David. Hey, David. We need Nina in Congress. We must unite and vote her in. Oh, David, thank you for that, baby. They know if I was there, it'd be a rip roar in every single day. Listen, you talking about setting it straight and setting it off? Oh yeah, Sister Turner will be doing that for justice on a regular basis, baby. That's why they fought so hard to ensure that you know they that I didn't make it there. But you know, let's see what may happen in the future. Thank you, thanks to all of you for your support of Unboss of the TYT network for all of the love that you show us for you making an investment in this independent independent network resources. We can only do what we do because of you boo. So thank you for all of your support. Bolsonaro supporters go full January 6th. Watch this. I sigh deeply picking up the bad habits of those that participated in January 6th insurrection attempt coup attempt in the United States of America. What you just watched was an attempted coup on the newly elected Lula in a weeks old government in Brazil, right? I mean, thousands of far right extremists ran riots through the country's democratic institutions. Let's put this up from the Guardian, Lula was not in Brasilia at the time of the attack, but he gave an angry speech blaming Bolsonaro. You know, he meant any words for the chaos and promising that anyone involved will be punished. Calling those who took part in the attacks vandals, neo-fascists and fanatics. Again, not mincing any words. Lula ordered a federal intervention in the capital, bringing policing under the control of the central government. That reporting is coming from The Guardian. And then the president also tweeted, let's take a look at his tweet. I was just tonight at Pelonato Place and at the STF. The cool plotters who promoted the destruction of public property in Brasilia are being identified and will be punished. Tomorrow we resume work at the Palinato Palace, democracy always, good night. So the president got right on that, putting out a tweet of his own, letting folks know there will be some repercussions and consequences for what you have just done. But why did these terrorists launch this coup? It's very clear why they did it. Bolsonaro lost to Lula in a tight fought election in October, but his supporters have refused to accept the result and camped out near military facilities, alleging the election was stolen, even though there is no evidence to back up their claim. Does this stuff sound familiar? Yeah, it does. 
And what exactly did they do? So glad that you asked. They smashed windows, furniture, equipment, destroyed works of art and official documents and occupied the buildings before law enforcement officials could move in to end the chaos. At least 1200 people were arrested. I mean, really? That's what they did. We got a map or wait, before we go to the map, yeah, we're playing this and and um I mean, Jessica, this seems like history is repeating itself just in another country. It really does. The interesting thing about this coup is uh Congress wasn't in session, is what we're hearing. Every report says that they were pretty much invading a building where government wasn't happening, right? They had the day off. So in the United States, they were intervening the counting of votes. Here, they weren't intervening any kind of process that would validate the election in any possible way. So it's a bit ridiculous that they're copying what happened in the United States. They're doing a, a worse version of a failed coup. And it's bad, but it's also funny in that way. Yeah, it really is. And then we have a, a, a a graphic, if you will, of some of the buildings and the, the outlay of the Capitol there, but where they were destroying and, and making all kinds of mayhem and foolishness and craziness. And this came compliments of the Washington Post. And all of this does sound familiar. I mean, it really is. And as Jessica pointed out, their members were not in session, our members were in session, but you know, they decided to copycat anyway. This is a bad copycat. Even comparing the costumes to people that showed up on January 6th in the United States of America. Let's put this up. Can I copy your homework? Yeah, just change it up a bit so it doesn't look obvious you copied. I mean, it looks extraordinarily <laughs> obvious that they copied. Unfortunately, they did. And where is Bolsonaro? I'm so glad that you asked. Bolsonaro, a far right former army captain whose main international ally was Trump, flew out of Brazil on the eve of Lula's inauguration and is currently in Florida. Yeah, Florida as in the United States. Bolsonaro stopped short of condemning the mob. Don't this, oh Lord. Okay, let me keep reading this, y'all. Bolsonaro stopped short of condemning the mob outright and instead hit out at Lula's claim that he was responsible. Lord have mercy on my soul. I, I really do need to call on Jesus at this point. I mean, Jessica, this is almost exactly the same playbook. Yeah, yeah. To say, you know, I didn't ask them to do it. So it yeah. wasn't me. What I'm me? just hanging out in Orlando, totally innocent. Yeah, right. Totally I innocent. Mean, yeah, they had, you know, some significant officials from uh, the capital district in Brazil go and visit Bolsonaro in Orlando. Uh, and the latest we're hearing is that Bolsonaro is now in the hospital. I mean, we know his health is not well. Uh, these people trying to coup the government. I mean, what are you going to do, right? You infiltrate these buildings, which are empty. What is your plan to take power? Uh, the guy that you're trying to install in power, if he was back in the country, there's a consideration that if he was extradited back to Brazil, he would be prosecuted. I mean, seriously, these people have not thought through what happens next. And for them to be called freedom fighters or people who are fighting for freedom is ridiculous. Like Lula is the president that is fighting for the people, not Bolsonaro. 
That's it. And they co-opted the word. I mean, we even have Steve Bannon, no surprise. Mm-hmm. Let's put this up. He did call them Brazilian freedom fighters. This is how he feels about the people on January 6th, uh, just the same. This is very much a global issue, a global threat, this kind of uh, uh, unrest of uh, people that if things don't go their way electorally, they just gonna just start uh, you know, pushing coups. It, it's a global issue, so we're gonna stay. We're gonna stay on on top of this. Uh, really, quite sad, but I'm glad that President Lula is on top of this. Oh, and speaking of, you know, we're gonna continue our international stories. We moved to Israel. Thousands protest Netanyahu. Take a look at this. Those were people in Israel protesting Benjamin Netanyahu's far right regime. I mean, they're out there in force, right? And from Common Dreams, let's take a look at this. Karen Signs reading together against fascism and apartheid. Yes, they did. And democracy in danger. Thousands of Israelis on Saturday marched in protest of Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu's far right coalition government which less than a week after being sworn in has already threatened to strip the country's judiciary of power and announce punitive measures against Palestinian people and leaders. Thank you, Julia, for this report in Common Dreams. Going on further, about 20,000 people gathered or people attended two different marches, one organized by the grassroots group standing together and calling for equality and partnership between Palestinians and Israelis, and another focusing on Netanyahu's threats to the Israeli justice system. I mean, you want to talk about absolute power. Glad the people are out there again. And then further, Julia writes, the protests were held days after Netanyahu's newly appointed justice minister, Levin, last name Levin, announced reforms that would allow lawmakers to override Supreme Court decisions. Members of Netanyahu's cabinet have also made derogatory claims about LGBTQ plus people and reportedly plan to roll back laws allowing gay couples to adopt children. Excellent reporting from Julia at the at Common Dreams and the fact that so many Israelis have taken to the streets to protest this right wing government is a thing of beauty. And check out this headline right here. Israel accused of trying to topple the Palestinian Authority and it bans public waving of the Palestinian flag. Now it's important to note that in 2022, especially brutal in the Israeli-Palestinian conflict, we want you to take a look at at this chart. Palestinians killed by Israeli forces in the West Bank. And you can see from 2006 to 2022, we have moments of low numbers, even though to say low numbers about folks being killed is there, there's nothing low about people being killed, but then we see moments of peaks. And in 2022, at 146, and this is coming from the United Nations Office for Coordination of Humanitarian Affairs. So good on these protesters for making their voices heard and letting it be known that they will not sit idly by 
as Netanyahu and his regime seek to shift Israel into tyranny. And those protesters are true voices calling for peace in that region and God bless them for doing so. Yeah, this story I think really highlights how disconnected states are from their people oftentimes. There are many people in Israel who are not Zionists, who don't support the apartheid that is happening there. But they were born there and many of them were forced to serve in the IDF without even agreeing with the mission of the IDF and what the IDF is doing, the Israeli Defense Forces. And what's happening right now in Washington at the Hilton is AIPAC is having their political leadership conference with Chuck Schumer in attendance, with Hakeem Jeffries in attendance. And we should really be critical with how intertwined our support of Israel is with the Democratic Party. It's literally squashing progressives from getting into the seats that they should rightfully be in, you know, yourself included, Senator Turner. Oh yeah, Jessica, you see that hand up? Absolutely, they unite to do that. And that's why another reason when I hear progressives praising the leadership of King Jeffries, I'm scratching my head and shaking my head because they just forgot what just happened in races in 2022 and also you know special election of 2021. And not just for members of Congress too. We saw like for example, India Walton, you know, where neoliberals just Change the rules of the game, and here it is. This this young lady actually won the primary, and they changed the rules so that the current mayor, who lost at that time, could be on the ballot and 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 still win, even though she won the primary. I mean, it's just really outrageous the steps that these neoliberals will take to fight progressives, but they don't have that same smoke when it comes to the Republicans. And as you're laying out, Jessica, they're right there right now. And and not pushing back on this. This this is a humanitarian crisis, and we should push back on this. We're supposed to be so-called the moral voice of the world, which we are not that. But we're supposed to be. But they will not say anything. Trust me, they're not going to say a mumbling word about what is happening over there under Netanyahu. And thank God for the Israelis who are standing up for justice. We really do. We're going to keep watching this. Global, global activities happen in the world and we should care about that because we are part of a world. Yes, we are citizens of this country, but more importantly, we are citizens of the world. And all of these things will have a ripple effect for us and other people. We'll be back after this, rippling away, we'll be back. Welcome back to the show. We have a wonderful newsletter called the Progress Report. And the big stories that corporate media are blotching, we let you know what's really going on. The big stories that corporate media are missing, we hunt those down and share them with you. TYT's original reporting, never miss another story. We make sure you know what is happening. So you should sign up, sign up for that newsletter. So scan the QR code or sign up at tyt.com slash newsletter. That progress report is hot, baby, it's sizzling. You don't wanna miss it, sign up for it. It's hot like this show. Yeah, and I don't say that about much things because not many things are as hot as this show. I didn't say hot, hotter than, but it's hot. So sign up for the newsletter. Uh, Let's get right to our Comments, our viewer comments, our TYT members. Vicky, hey Vicky, Burbank Turner Overdrive should be a t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. 
I love it. It should be a t-shirt, Jessica. And I would be the first ones or the second ones to say, it should be a t-shirt. We agree with you on that, Vicky. And Vicky, another part of Vicky's comment, get the extinguisher. <laughs> Vicky, I've been keeping my composure today as best I could, but baby, it's right here on the desk. Right here on the desk. I didn't have to pull that out too much today at all. Thank you, Vicky, for that. And on Twitch, Owen, hey, Owen, look at what Trump started. One jerk refuses to concede an election. And now we've got right wing idiots storming the capitals all over the world. Owen, you make a really good point. And on YouTube, Super Chat, Jeremy, I want President Lula in America. Hello. Somebody. <laughs> we appreciate all of our comments, all of our viewers. Again, we cannot say it enough. Thank you so much for your support of our show and of our network. It is because of people like you that we have the freedom uh, to put out news in a, in a different, more compelling way. So thank you. We appreciate you. Cannot say thank you enough. And speaking of compelling, Jessica and I are going to end this show on a very, and I mean very hopeful and good note. An innovative new wheelchair. The inventor of the Steadicam, Garrett Brown, has come up with a new invention. Before we go further, let's give some context of what in the heck is a Steadicam. The Steadicam is a lightweight handheld stabilizer that gives camera operators operators a steady hand when on the move to capture shots like Sylvester Stallone's character Rocky running up the steps of the Philadelphia Museum. That was an iconic scene you know, in, in popular culture, seeing Sylvester Stallone's character do that. And now Garrett has used his innovative film mind to come up with another helpful invention. Watch this. And the Philadelphia native is at it again. This time to help people with disabilities move in real time. May I? Yes. This is seated. And this is standing. And it made the move for me, you know. He calls his latest invention the zine. Oh my God. <laughs> that is so beautiful. And here's some more on how the zine works. These are your handlebars, okay. just push them forward. Oh, you just push it, oh, okay. Now you've got seat belts on either side. Squeeze these and drop all the way down to a seated position okay. and let go, boom. Now it took walk. about a decade of inventing and tinkering. Make the rear spin around you. Oh, okay. oh yeah, there That's we it. go. For Brown and a small team of engineers to get the machine just right. And here is Brown on how this makes a positive impact for those who do need a wheelchair. The 80-year-old came up with the idea a decade ago while visiting his then 97-year-old dad in care facilities. I was watching his pals and something big seemed to me missing between walkers and wheelchairs. Once you consign yourself to a wheelchair, your feet are not on the ground particularly, you're not Upright, being upright is great for your cardiac, your bone density, your, your limbic system, your digestive system. And it's particularly valuable for your uh, psychological well-being. To be up among your fellow humans is one of the things we hear most often that they love about this machine. I mean, my heart, I have goosebumps for all the right reasons. Fire extinguisher out for good reason this time. And I, 
Jessica, remember my own grandfather who suffered a stroke and was in a wheelchair until you know one side, one um, half of his body was paralyzed after that stroke and him having to use a wheelchair, just the psychological impact that that takes. And also what Mr. Brown is showing that truly age ain't nothing but a number. Here he is in his 80s baby innovating, innovating in ways that will have generational impact ageism out the window on that just good on him and as he said he you know his 97 his father was his motivation for that watching his father interact uh, with his mother and especially here in the United States the zine could make a huge difference for those who do use wheelchairs and the people who love them in the United States of America there are an estimated 3.3 million wheelchair users with an estimated 1.8 million of those users age 65 and older and the number increasing every year with an expected 2 million new new wheelchair users every year and what we all have in common no matter what generation we hail from if we live long enough if we are blessed enough, we will all become more seasoned as the years go by. Jessica? I think this is an interesting example of how good things can happen even in an economy where most innovation is done in areas where there's a huge profit motive. And people given money for research and development are people who are you know, researching and developing things that they can sell for many dollars, not necessarily things that can improve people's quality of life. So this is a great story about someone who you know, made this innovation for the stabilization of cameras, something that is profitable and adapted it to be useful to improve the quality of life for other people. We would love to see more revenue go towards research and development instead of stock buyback so that we can continue to improve our quality of life and see this happen in more areas. But this is a really good feel good story. Amen to that and Mr. Garrett Brown, thank you so much. You will indeed change the lives of millions of people, not just in this country, but worldwide. We are lifting you up, Jessica and I are lifting you up. Good on you, sir. Good on you. Well, that does it for us on Unboss for today. It was absolutely riveting per usual to have Jessica JB Monday, baby. We bring it to you with a lot of heart and soul on Mondays. We're gonna try to duplicate this tomorrow. I want you to join us again. And you know what else I want you to do about this time? I want you to keep the faith. And as that last story showed you very clearly, hopefully it will give you some encouragement for other things that you have to do in your life. It is never too late to be the change you wanna see in the world. It is never too late to make a difference, to use your skills and ability in a wonderfully impactful way, never too late. So I want you to keep the faith, but more importantly, baby, I want you to keep the fight. Thanks for listening to Unbossed. If you like the show, then you'll enjoy our other podcasts on TYT Network like The Damage Report with John Iderola, Indisputable with Dr. Rashad Ritchie, and The Young Turks. Make sure to listen and follow, and if you like what you hear, give us a five-star rating.